everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and I'm so glad you're joining us here in Stress Awareness Month to talk a little bit about stress. But today we are going to talk about hardships and challenges and how it's not the hardships that we face that define us, but in fact, it's the way that we figure out how to move through them, how we build resilience and come out stronger on the other side. So today, my guest is a very good friend and a partner in the industry who I'm so impressed with, and his name is Andy Stern. He is the VP of Rumble Boxing. Andy has had his share of hardships and challenges at a young age, and I just want to give Andy a second to say hey and introduce himself. Andy, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to uh, kind of share my story and, and you know hopefully help somebody that's uh, going through some of those hardships and you know, give back. So it's been a journey. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. And you've had a really incredible journey. And, you know, Andy, you do um, lots of different things in the fitness space. And I can't wait to hear about some of those things and some of your ventures and some of your setbacks along the way. But also, I just want to make sure that we tell everybody here exactly what they're going to get out of this podcast. We're going to tell stories, of course, but we're also going to share five things that we think that we can learn, five of the best lessons we can learn from life's most difficult setbacks. So Andy, you know what, let's start out with this. What are some of the um, more challenging things that you've had to face? Uh, let's start with personal or professional, wherever you think your journey kind of started. Let's start professionally. I think fitness in general, uh, it's a very hard, uh, specifically speaking, fitness is a very hard industry to make a career. Uh, specifically for myself, I was coming out of college uh, as an entrepreneur, created a fitness program called Curriculum. And, you know, my ultimate goal was to get it to the masses, become the next, you know, P90X, call it, for the college students. And uh, I was... I was torn between going the more passive, safer route, you know, the, the industries that were had more sustainability, more security, more benefits, salaried. Uh, but my passion was just always really built into fitness, um, not just the profitability piece of it, but really the, the, the purpose and the goal of helping other people. So it was a number of years, as many fitness professionals will tell you, of just the hustle, you know, the constant client, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., seven day a week, cancellation, you know, all of these, hopefully the industry evolves as it has already in some capacity, but I would love for the fitness industry to really make it a as a career. You know, oftentimes I hear when I'm recruiting a new talent, they wanna leave their nine to five and make fitness a full-time job. And that's great and all, but sometimes I do have to bring to life or bring to light, the grass is always greener. You know, it is a hard industry to really tap into. It's a very hard industry to make a career out of. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that that is with a lot of college students who go to college and study kinesiology or exercise science, and they really do have a goal to make fitness their career. But like you said, there's a lot of grind behind the scenes and there's not a lot of glamour when you initially get started. It starts with a lot of grind. It starts with getting up at 5 a.m., having these long nights, not necessarily having stability and security in our income stream. So how did you go from doing 
doing that grind and starting that program, which I saw some footage of that recently, which I found very, very kind of cool. It's like the old footage that I have of me when I first started teaching group fitness classes. Yeah. So and doing videos, those are a blast from the past. But what kind Always. of was that walk that got you from doing that 5am grind to say entering into the rumble boxing space? Cause that's a big space. It's a big one, but uh, the, the word is networking. Honestly, that, that has been the key to, to my success. Um, and that's personal connections and relationships that develop between, you know, strangers at times or, or friends, but the connection because of health and fitness and I'll, I'll evolve that statement, but you know, I was selling the DVDs and I was teaching clients and I was hustling through multiple gyms and, and really just trying to push, push, push. And I was applying, like, don't get me wrong. I applied to every marketing, uh, entry level job and, and in health and fields of, you know, specifically New York road runners. I spent some time there. So I was trying to navigate my, my MBA into the space when teaching was definitely my passion, but my passion wasn't paying the bills. How do I supplement? And the supplement just simply means double work, right? Two jobs. So for me, it was, again, what's the North star, make a career out of this, you know, provide for my family, start a family, move out of my parents' house. So between 21 to 26, it was very, very stressful. It was very hard. It was, uh, Besides teaching classes, it was the substitute teaching in my district. It was selling supplements. It was selling at the flea market. You know, it was really just a hustler's mentality. Um, and it all came to life through a network conversation with a mutual friend who said, yeah, his name is Eugene, who's one of the founders of Rumble. His friend, Joey, it was a conversation. Joey said, hey, I know you're you know, doing a ton of amazing stuff please, you know, talk to, to Eugene. He wants to get into group fitness. Uh, and from there, it was just a collaborative effort to ultimately build the Rumble Boxing brand. But moral of the story was you never necessarily know who you're connecting with in fitness. And it's the best thing in the world when you can connect with somebody. But the connections have opportunities. They just, they might look a little different. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that whole having a bunch of side hustles makes so much sense to me because I feel like here in the fitness space, sometimes when people ask us what we do, we're a little uh, bum fuddled because we're like, well, I don't know. I do like 20 things. We write, we teach, we educate, we present, we work for this person or that person because we have a lot of passive income streams coming in. We're doing a lot of side hustle work. And so you found a way through this conversation that actually turned into um, a connection which turned into a business. So I'm talking to Andy Stern and he is the VP of Rumble Boxing. And we're talking about how five lessons that we can learn from life's most difficult challenges. So it's not the stress that defines us. It's how we come out on the other side with a few bumps and bruises, but still willing to get up and get a move on. Right, Andy? Definitely. And, and I think it's the it first really comes to fruition when you define what you want out of it. And I know it's cliche to, you know, tell the universe, but it's important because it was important for me to know what I wanted. I wanted a salary. I wanted, you know, a stable, not necessarily nine to five because fitness is not nine to five, but I wanted some job security. I wanted, you know, to not fear that if I take a week's vacation, I'm making less money that week. That mentality was a paralyzing crutch for me because 
somebody with, you know, as most trainers are, a lot of hustle, a lot of ambition, never said no to a client, always picked up the next client, always subbed the classes, always was chasing the dollar. And that was never satisfying. I was never full. It was always about the next paycheck, which ultimately was A, leads to burnout, but B, just there's no satisfaction. No matter how much you love fitness, eventually you're not satisfied doing that. And that's unfortunately why fitness for a lot of people is their side hustle because they could sustain their 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 lifestyle with their their nine to five and supplement with their others. Absolutely. And so I think that, you know, you found a way to, um, you know, rumble boxing became your main hustle, so to speak. You can still yes. do side hustle work. We can still write. We can still speak. We can still present at conventions. We can still help with content development. We can still do some of those things that we love, but I think it's just establishing that main income stream. And like you're saying, really hone in on what is my true passion? I mean, I'm doing all these side hustles, but what is it that makes me want to put my feet on the floor in the morning? And what is going to drive me most or propel my success the most? And what's going to make you happy? You know, I think, you know, Angie and I, we've, we've chatted about defining that word success. And I think that's one of the biggest not just in fitness, but mainly, you know, in life, we're ultimately going to always try to try to chase success. And we're going to think we, you know, are, are seeing what other people are doing and we're going to try to sit, chase their success. And, you know, that's not satisfying. And, and I did it right. I saw social media and I saw these, you know, amazing trainers doing some great things and high profile clients and living, you know, lavish lifestyles. And I wanted that, right. I wanted to continue to try to achieve that until I realized a little more about what I actually wanted and looked inside, then I could really feel that success and feel like I, I've reached a piece, a, a point of my career where I could say I'm successful, regardless of societal measures of followers or dollars. I know I'm successful because I define my success and I reach that success. Yeah. And I love what, you know, you and I, like you said, we just had this conversation last night. It's really is about defining success to us because sometimes we see what people out there in this space are doing and we really have our eye on the pie thinking that they're the pie. And like, this is something I really want in my life. And then we get inside of that and we realize, is that what I really want? Because maybe it looked good from where we stood, but from when we get inside of it, it's not so amazing. It's like when I used to teach university students and I and they would say to me, I don't know exactly what I want to do. And I said, I know you don't because you have to do what you don't want to do to know what you do want to do. We Absolutely. have to have a few bad jobs and a few bad experiences before we really define who am I and what exactly do I want to do in this space? Because it's a massive competitive space. Very competitive. And, and, and honestly, I think the pandemic has made it more competitive because of the lucrative Instagram lives, to host your own Zooms. Trainers became entrepreneurs overnight, which they had to do to pay their bills, which was great. But you also then have this wave, which is amazing for the industry, but a wave of uh, unemployment, obviously. And then kind of like what I was calling like passion seekers. They're like, well, what do I love to do? I love fitness. I'm a fitness junkie. Let me start teaching classes. Obviously, they come to NASA and they get certified, which is great, you hope. But ultimately, it just created this surge of new trainers, uh, which is great. Like I said, it's great for the industry. It's a hard thing to break into digitally. I was just interviewing people and not to get sidetracked. And a lot of my conversation was, you know, what's your experience? And they said, well, I teach on Instagram Live. And 
that's great. That is a great experience. It is hard, but that is not group fitness. That yeah. there, you cannot see a human being. There is no real elements to that classroom. There's no, you know, energy from humans. It's simply a phone. So, you know, while I applaud the the entrepreneurship that's booming from social media and these fitness entrepreneurs. I also want people to understand this is a hard industry. It's not as glamorous and it's definitely not easy, no matter what success they see on, on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. And here's the deal. Working with a human body one-on-one and live is completely different from seeing it through a screen. And so you're right. There's been a lot of pop-up shops while all this happened. And again, it is bringing, you know, some, some energy into the fitness space, but it, what is it doing to credibility? We, you know, we right. have yet to kind of, kind of figure out, right? But so let's go back for a second because I'm super curious. So you have this conversation with this guy and you've been doing the hustle for a long time because we all come into what we define as our success in different ways. And again, like you said, it's not necessarily dollars on the table and it's not necessarily what someone else would define as success, Um, but it's what we define as success. Right. And so how did this conversation, because here's the deal, there's something else that I think people need to understand. There's a lot of conversations that happen in the fitness space and guess where they go? Absolutely nowhere. (laughs) So, I mean, you have a ton of conversations and you give your, your, just your bread and your butter and your soul to so many like, Hey, let's get on a call. And then bam, uh, you know what crickets. And so, um, it has to be the right fit at the right time. It has to be both people being passionate. So how did yours come to fruition? Timing is massive. Timing is massive. That is absolutely, uh, an understatement, but so the conversation goes with, with Eugene at the time it was, it was, uh, May of 2016. Mind you, I had now enrolled for my doctorate in physical therapy. So I was, I was going into the health space what has a little more sustainability and, and, you know, nine to five, call it. So I was at this kind of interim very early. I sat down with my dad. He called me downstairs. I was, I was, Angie, I was stressed out of my mind. I was losing it. Seven days a week working, uh, 30 classes a week, going to school now for, for, for PT. Um, and he sat me down. I poured a glass of red wine. He poured a smeared off and, and, and club soda. And so vivid in my mind, he said, I, you know, I hope the thing with Joey's friend works. If not, go the, the safer route and be the doctor. And the conversations evolved over the next few weeks. And ultimately, I got uh, an offer to come on as the, the initial general manager and first employee of Rumble. Um, and that day, unfortunately, my dad passed of a heart attack. So... I get like, I'm, you know, emotional thinking about it because it's almost like, did, you know, did he help send that? Did he help create that energy for me? Because he knew that maybe that's what I actually wanted. I didn't want to go the PT route. You know, this is what I was really striving for. And, and it came to life the day he passed. So that whole thing, that was very, very emotional. Um, but that, that was July of 2016. You know, you make tears come to my eyes. Um, you know, it, 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 I have to think that dad knew something, Andy. So um, I remember my mom who was uh, who could make a penny go a mile. And I remember telling her that I was going to film uh, my first fitness video. And back then, production costs were not cheap because production wasn't as easy sure. to come by. And I told her what I was going to spend. And I thought that she would, you know, pass out on the floor and I'd have to pick her up. And she said, you know, you're going to spend that money anyway. Do what you're passionate about. 
And I was like, wow, you know, what a cool thing. And I always remember my mom saying that to me. And I I often think, gosh, you know, it translated to a lot of opportunity for me because one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. So very cool. So the Rumble Boxing gig worked out for you, needless to say. Right, Andy? It it worked out. And and, I could, you know, my dad was a huge supportive fitness guy himself. He's why I got into the space. Very healthy, you know. Health is interesting, right? It naturally, when you, something so tragic like that happens, you question why, you question health, right? Fit guy built like me, uh, massive heart attack, right? So it starts to like play with your, why do I do this? Well, you know, but needless to say, very supportive. Always, always, when he would see somebody on TV, yell upstairs, Andy, that's got to be you. You got, you know, you got to get on TV, find out who does this. So, you know, I laugh about it now because, Obviously, he's no longer here, but when I've gotten to be on TV and I've gotten to train the celebrities, like I always just like you look up and smile and say, Dan, I did it. You know, like it's it's really amazing um, that he kind of called it into the universe when I didn't believe I could do that. I thought, you know, that anyone you saw on TV or anybody who saw big followings, you know, either knew somebody or they're better than me, more knowledgeable, something, you know, the grass is always greener for them. But uh, he believed in me. And ultimately, it came to life. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I remember I talked to a friend of my mom's recently, and she said to me, are you still doing that fitness video thing? Your mom <laughs> used to be so proud of you. <laughs> awesome. That, funny, that fitness video thing. So, yep. you know, Andy, um, both of us have lost of our, both of us have lost both of our parents and you, you are a lot younger than me. I, I'm sure nobody could tell, but um, no. so we've, we've been through our share of personal and professional hardships. And I think, I do think that that is a driver. I mean, for me every day, my, my whole uh, outlook on fitness changed. And like you, I had a little bit of the, um, who am I angry with? Um, because, yep. you know, my mom met the standards of not having to have passed the way that she passed. And I was like, well, maybe this is all for crap. You know, I don't even know if this is worth it. And, and, uh, had to go down in the dumps for a little bit and then reposition. Why am I in fitness and what do I most want out of it? And then that shifted a lot of my narrative. It shifted most of my narrative to become more mental wellness and mentally healthy versus physically healthy. And it shifted my yes. narrative to being healthy inside and all these things that you can't see. And I want to speak about stress because my mom was a lot of stress and I would be too, if I had to raise five girls. So, um, so <laughs> I, yeah, got one. I, mean, let's, 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 I got one girl now, not, not yeah. hopefully not four more, but five is a lot. <laughs> yeah. I have two. And I was like, Oh my God, why well, I, I totally wow. get it. So, um, so, you know, one of the things um, before we even kind of start talking about these these five lessons that I think that we both agreed that we have learned, um, I do want to ask you one other thing that I, I kind of think is a cool thing that I want to make sure we notice. And that is you kind of started a fundraiser for your mom in the way that she passed. And I've always admired that um, because I've done some things to uh, pay it forward on the way that I lost my mom. But um, the way that you've done it is, has been very big and very purposeful. So t- share what it is. So in fact, we did both. So for my, my dad, we started a scholarship. Uh, my brother was a big component at Fairleigh Dickinson University and um, the Believe and Achieve Entrepreneur Scholarship. So um, my father was an entrepreneur. My mom, they, they started some daycares. And we, right off the bat, when he passed, wanted his legacy as an educator to live on. So we created this scholarship where students could apply, basically telling their stories. And quite frankly, this morning, actually, ironically enough, the email came through from a recipient, super grateful. Um, 
So it becomes full circle of why, why we, you know, raise money through just various kind of things that my dad loved, either a car show or a Super Bowl boxes, you know, like the pool. So it was things that he loved. We can then, you know, put to a fund and help a student ultimately achieve their entrepreneurship dreams. Uh, and then on mom's side, unfortunately, the the pancreatic cancer, the monster that took my mom, if it cancer in general affects so many people, almost everybody, you know, in some way or form, if not amazing, but more times than not in some capacity has it affected their life. I, when I saw firsthand the, the chemo treatments, the radiations, my respect for a nurses and doctors to a level that I would never comprehend uh, their level of care and just, you know, patience with a patient. But for me, what I wanted to do once she kind of started to, you know, demise and ultimately when she passed, make her proud. And that's what led to fundraising and giving some of my just quote services away, providing free workouts. Aside from the financial ability to raise money for research, an outlet for the those family members, the victims themselves of cancer, this is a space where we can collectively come together, even if it's digitally for 20 minutes. Let's loud our emotions. Let's let's put the monster in its basement for a moment. Let's appreciate this. And honestly, I do it to make her proud. And it, it is one of the most rewarding. It is the hardest class I ever teach emotionally, but it is the most rewarding. Yeah. You know what? Um, and then I'm and that's why I wanted you to share that because you're right. Anytime uh, my mom comes into my presentations a lot, I'm not going to lie. Anytime I'm talking about stress, I talk about my journey with my mom and caregiving and that type of thing. And and uh, I'm speaking with Andy Stern. He's the VP and founding trainer of Rumble Boxing. We're talking about stress and hardship, but more importantly, not the stressors themselves, but what we can do to come out on the other side. And we're sharing um, five ways that or five things that five of the best lessons we can learn through these difficulties that we face. So Andy was just sharing that he, um, you know, he's talking about these ways that he's paid it forward and these ways that he's put his time, effort, love, and passion into the community and offered free work and raised money for these causes. So, um, you know, Andy, that that really makes me think actually is that I think that's really what you and I are saying is don't chase someone else's dream, chase yours. Right. Figure out what you don't want so you can figure out what you do in the fitness space. And along with that, use your story to to find purpose in your pain. Use your story to find your unique niche in the fitness space. And and it doesn't have to bring you fame and fortune. It could just bring you fame and fortune right here. It could be that yep. you're making a difference on a local level. I used to teach the warm up for the Alzheimer's Association for the walks um, back when I lived in Illinois. And that was just like this great moment of purposeful um, intention toward working with, you know, cognitive decline and helping to raise awareness and um, use my fitness as a place to be able to do that. It's the connection, in my opinion, is the key to success and the key to happiness. And I think what fitness as a vehicle gives the opportunity as us as trainers to connect to so many people by breaking down that, that door of vulnerability, sharing our stories, understanding that people are alike, people go through the same things, you know, and it's, it's really important that when you share that and you can connect with them, 
that is success because ultimately you're leaving somebody feeling like, you know, they, they understand who you are. They understand what you're coming from and look at you, you're still pushing, you're still going through the adversity. And then it, it, for me personally, it exposes a lot of, of, you know, I use grief as a tool. I use it as a cancer, as a tool. I could use it as an excuse. I could be the most unhealthy person in the world. I could have easily gone down a negative path with losing two parents, but mm-hmm. I, try to take it and say, how can I help? Because I'm not the only one that's lost parents. I'm not the only one that's dealt with cancer. How can I use my platform, my ability to physically help somebody to also try to help them mentally? Um, And that takes the vulnerability from me. That takes, like you said, sharing your story, understanding that that connection is hopefully going to reach somebody and that's success once you reach. Because once you reach them, they reach someone else. And, you know, you're leading me right into uh, the big, you know, drum roll here. The five best lessons that we think you can learn through adversity and hardship. And one of them is actually humility. That's one of the first things that Andy and I talked about was what we Mm -hmm. learn is is a lesson in humility. Because um, what better way to teach us how to adapt and respond to other people's or how to respond to other people's pain and adapt to our own than to fall flat on our face, whether it be through grief and loss or whether it be through business ventures that go flat. Um, Humility is a huge component of one of the best takeaways that we can have when we are met face to face with hardship. Don't you think? Absolutely. Those those hardships, we all have them. And I said, I just recently talked about this with some friends as well. Like, we are great in society at highlighting the W's and the goods, and, and we really don't do a good job of talking about the, the L, the loss, the, the hardship. Maybe because we're embarrassed, maybe we think no one will enjoy it, no one will care, it's not fun, cool to talk about things that go south. But I think, as you could agree, more times than not, especially in business, things are going to fail before they succeed. And I've failed many, many businesses at this point. Um, before having some success with Rumble. So it it just takes adversity and, and finding that North Star and knowing that, okay, I failed, I failed, I failed, but like they're leading to something that I don't quite know what it is yet. Before I give up on it, I'm gonna try swinging again. I'm gonna try this one again. I'm gonna try the next idea. Yeah, I think that's critical because you know what, here what I here's what I think is the flip side of humility. The flip side of humility is is ego, right? The flip side of yeah. humility is pride, where we never admit that we we had a failure. We never admit that we kind of had to um, go through our fair share of falling flat on our face. It's really those stories that connect us to other people. If we walk around with this chip on our shoulder, we want everybody to believe that we came out of the womb successful. I don't think that there's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of connection in that. I'm not sure no where connection. to go from there. You know, there's so no, no, they're not relatable, you know, and it's not believable. It's not relatable. It's, I have had success in fitness because I am relatable because I'm a real guy, right? I, sometimes I don't want to work out. I've dealt with cancer. I've dealt with loss. I've dealt with, you know, unsuccessful businesses. I drink, you know, like these, these is little things that sometimes people put fitness professionals on a pedestal that they, they're so motivating, so positive, nothing goes wrong. Their life is perfect. It's actually quite the opposite. We are up at this pedestal and we've achieved greatness because of the negatives. We didn't get up there because we were good or, you know, not having adversity or hardships, but because we used what life has punched us in the face with and said, all right, thanks. I'm going to take cancer. I understand it sucks. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I miss my mom tremendously. 
But I also know that somebody's going through it right now that I could hopefully help in some form, some capacity, even if it just like you're talking about strong mind and strong body, talking to them. How are you? Reaching out. What do you need? You know, not just physically, but mentally helping them try to not overcome it, but learn to live with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So humility goes a long way. And the second thing that Andy and I talked about was just the compassion component, the compassion, the empathy and the vulnerability, because compassion is not uh, is, you know, and well, let's start with empathy. Empathy is not sympathy. Empathy is feeling like we can walk in another person's shoes. We've been there. We've done that. We, we have empathy for what they're going through. Compassion is just um, being able to hold people in our space and not having to fix them, but being able to hold with an element of compassion and heart for what their story is. And then that whole vulnerability piece is just being able to put our guard down, take that chip off of our shoulder and say, you know what? I am vulnerable. I do have a lot of cuts and scrapes and bruises along the way. And it's okay if you see them because um, it's how I got to where I am. Right? Absolutely. I mean, that point let's bring it relevant to the time, the pandemic, quarantining, from my relationships with a lot of trainers, there was this level of, I pivoted my business, I am succeeding, I'm doing so well, and posting and showing the highlights. And that, it's sometimes you need a little more empathy, a little more compassion, because we are in a pandemic, and there are a lot of people who have no jobs, a lot of people who can't grieve their loss because of this pandemic. So I think it's being sensitive. It's a being like your audience in the right time to post the right things. And I get it. Everybody's proud. They want to show the highlight reel because they want to make themselves seem more successful. And that's good. You're cheering for their success, but you got to post that success and, and with a taste of empathy with, I know somebody's not paying their bills right now. I know somebody's hurting. I know somebody can't find work. So instead of just continuously blasting the W's, I'm so great. I won again. Compassion and empathy goes a very, very long way, especially in fitness. Right. And like we said, the opposite of humility is a lot of ego. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the flip side of not having compassion and empathy and the flip side of not being able to be vulnerable is that people become bitter and kind of closed off. And that's what you and I said is, hey, you know, we could have gone the other way after losing parents, after going through some of these situations, we could have become bitter. We could have become angry. We could have closed ourselves off and said, you know what, um, you know, blah, 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 this. I'm yep. just going to make my way. I don't care about anybody else. And, and I don't, you know, that might be, that might, I'm not saying that wouldn't put dollars in your pocket, but it's probably not going to build um, the type of tribe that makes you proud to do what you do. So, um, but the third thing, Andy, that you and I talked about is self-awareness. And I hear so much self-awareness in you, just so much self-awareness um, at a young age in your life where you're like, I've been through these things and I've met my match and I've sat with myself enough times to where I have some personal insight and I know what, what kind of impact I want to make. So what do you think about that yeah. self-awareness thing? I, I have a quote you know, kind of every birthday, I kind of bring it back to life. It's we all grow old the same, but we grow up differently. And I, unfortunately, like many others, I was forced to grow up faster than I had assumed I was going to grow up. I had to go through things. I didn't think I was going to grow, go through in the twenties. Like, you know, those trips to the hospital late at night to take care of your mom and sitting in a hospital room, go to sleep and wake up and then teach some celebrities or 60 person classes and put on a show. 
It is hard. It is hard. But it, what it allowed me to do is really reflect on, A, what's important. And as much as sometimes prior to these hardships, I would, and I don't want to use the word care more, but I would care probably things about things that didn't necessarily matter as much. My outfit, my hair going to be perfect. Am I going to teach the perfect class? Am I going to say all the right things? Once I kind of developed, A, the confidence, and B, that vulnerability of, I'm human. I'm going to go up there. I might be tired. I'm going through some real stuff. I remember one of the first days we launched the studio, my mom had a, a stroke that night before. And I was probably in the hospital till 4 or 5 a.m. I woke up and I taught that, I think it was 8 or 9 o'clock. And um, I opened up on stage. And it was a moment that 60 people after class, the connections that I had, A, that is my success, but B, it made me feel full. And I think sometimes we always think that we're fulfilling our clients. The clients fulfill us as fitness professionals because once they can connect to us, going back to that self-awareness, I'm human. You know, I'm not going to put on the perfect class. I'm not going to have the perfect opportunity, perfect playlist, perfect, perfect, perfect. Just be human. Yeah, I love that. You know, you um, you made me think I taught a cycle class for 10 years at the same gym, same time when I was in Illinois. And I remember one time we finished class and one of the gentlemen in the front row said, wow, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> and a gal named Melissa, who was a regular a few rows back, said, you haven't seen anything. You should have seen her when her mom was sick. And afterwards, she came yep. up to me and she said, is it OK that I said that? And I said, you know what? It's more than OK. And I said, what you reminded me is that you all saw something in me and you came anyway. You accepted me, you embraced me, and you guys are what got me through. This consistency and constancy in my life that allowed me to mm -hmm. kind of come pay it forward and share what I love and what I do with other people is, is what helped me stay grounded. But I realized then that they are picking up on us more than we even, we don't even have to utter words out of our mouth. Um, yeah. We it's all over us. And, and what a, a huge blessing it is that they still are willing to share their time and energy with us, even through the darkest of times. And I yep. think that that is, that is absolutely what, um, what connects people to us. It is that humility. It's that vulnerability. It's, it's our ability to be compassionate and it's our self-awareness. Absolutely. It's breaking the wall down. And I think, you yeah. know, when you said you taught your best classes during the worst times, like, I argue, I myself is included. I think that it's a testament to using your toolbox, you know, not your skill box. Everyone has skills. We can learn skills. Your toolbox is your personal individual box and your toolbox is, is doesn't always look like a toolbox, right? It's grief. It's, it's, it's heartbreak. It's loss. It's insecurity. There, those are tools that might seem negative, but they're ultimately positive. And that's the stuff that when you bring to the table, your clients could really connect to, you're going to have a successful fitness career, no doubt about it. Oh, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. So again, I'm speaking to Andy Stern. He's the VP and one of the founding trainers of Rumble Boxing. And we're having a conversation about life's greatest hardships and five of the best lessons we can learn. So we shared stories, but also lessons. And so Andy, let's uh, talk about the next lesson that you and I thought about that we thought would be one of the best lessons that we've come away with. And that's flexibility. I always say that rigidity is no one's friend, but especially when we go through different experiences, we we realized, ha, perception of control. What a joke. You've got no control over your life. No control. And we, re we realized that. And it's like this big, like, oh, 
Thank goodness, because you know what? I don't even have to try to control anything anymore because I already know that it's it's all a farce. We have very little control and flexibility is our friend and being able to move through no matter what's coming our way is, is a key component to success, don't you think? Absolutely. I was talking to um, a friend, also one of the partners of Rumble, and I said, if someone was to ask me the five-year plan in 2016 prior to dad you know, passing, to now, I would have never, in the, my wildest dreams, say I would lose both parents, get married, have a kid, live multiple cities, and open up and sell a, a fitness concept. Putting that out there in a five-year plan doesn't seem logical, not even real, right? So as much as we plan, life has got its plans. And I'm not saying you could just be a free bird and just sit back and be like, this is life's plan. But you're going to have your plans until life punches you in the face with a new plan, and you're going to have to react, right? We yeah. have the old quote, it's not what happens to you, it's how you react. I think that's a good summary on just basically life's going to throw things at you. It's yeah. how you handle what they throw at you. And you better be able to get up and move through it because otherwise, again, the opposite of that is just going to be to be bitter, to shield ourselves from the world, to hold it all inside and to be a different yep. version of who we would have been. So I grew up in the same house my entire life and uh, no one in my family ever moved. And at one point, my husband and I moved three times in five years. So it was this constant wow. reinventing of myself and trying to reestablish, restart. So there's all these different things in life that you never would have imagined that your life would be like. But the last thing that Andy and I talked about the last lesson that we thought that we learned from these different hardships was just perspective. And that's just, I, I was, uh, used to talk to my students about, you see life through a wider and a longer lens. Uh, sometimes we, we look at the camera and we've got this short lens on and we only see what's right in front of us. But as we go through these different experiences, life seems to take on more dimension. Um, there's a lot more dynamics that come into play and we, we able, we're able to kind of look at life almost like we're looking at it through a telescope with some distance between us and our experiences because we know that a lot comes in, if that makes sense. That's, I don't think I can say it better. Perspective, and the perspective often changes. And I think for a lot of us, you need to be okay in that flexibility to tie the both kind of lessons in. You gotta be flexible to change your perspective because where, you know, the world that you were seeing at the time that you were seeing it was because of the things that you were experiencing at that time. And then once you see something different, the perspective is going to change. And I think for all of us, when you go through something so traumatic, like loss, job insecurity, breakups, those huge events change your perspective on life. And the positives too, right? I think, you know, having a child that's just eight weeks old now, I, my perspective on things changed naturally because of the, the magnitude of the event. And if I was not flexible and I stuck in my way of this is how life should be, how it, I want it to go. And my ego starts talking. I just kind of collapsed all of my success. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being on the other side of that journey, having grown kids, I realized that, <laughs> yes, once again, how little control I have over my life and how trying to control parenting and kids and all of that is probably not going to work in your favor. So just to kind of sum up five of the best lessons that Andy and I feel that you can walk away from when you experience hardship is first and foremost, humility, right? And the flip side of humility would be pride or ego gets in the way. The second one is compassion, empathy, and vulnerability. And the flip side of that would just be that we get bitter and we get closed off. 
The third tip that we think, or the best lesson that we think you can learn is self-awareness. And the flip side would be that we blame others and we don't take responsibility. And the fourth one is flexibility, being able to bend like Gumby. And if you're of a certain age, you're like, who's Gumby? Well, then you have to Google it, okay? <laughs> um, because the other, the take on that would be rigidity and not being able to adapt to the way that the world will, as Andy said, punch you in the face. And the last one is perspective. And the flip side is that if we don't get a longer lens, we stay short-sighted and we only see the world through our own very, very small lens. But Andy, before we go, I do want to share a couple of questions because I think that questions are powerful. I'm a question girl. And I think that when we go through these things, we have to wake up and go to bed with these different questions. And I asked you, Andy, what, what kind of questions do you ask yourself to get through hardships? And, and one of them is, I always tell my clients, you know, one of my famous questions is, where do we go from here? You know, you've just had this experience. So, you know, where do you go from here? And another one is, you know, what am I going to take with me and what am I going to leave behind? So I look at life like a backpack. How much are we going to schlep around from our world, right? Are we going to just like pack everything into that backpack? We're going to bring it with us and be like, grr, hum, you know, <laughs> or are we going to let go of some of that crap that didn't serve us, keep our backpack light and decide what we need to move forward. So give me a couple of questions that you ask yourself, your clients that have gotten you through hardship. My, my favorite question I ask myself every week is, is I look back on the week and I say, what can I pull from it? What is the lesson? Because ultimately I think if we're living life and we're not trying to learn from what we just experienced, we're just going to A, make the same mistakes and B, we're not going to learn. So for me, it's just simply taking a little time each week, you know, and it, sit, sit down with a cup of coffee what happened? What can you pull from it? What is it? And I did this really, I had a huge kind of, and, and not to like, you know, talk through what it was, but I, I talked about my mom's lasting lesson, probably two days after she passed. And a lot of people are like, wow, you know, that's really vulnerable. I can't believe you spoke. And to me, it wasn't about, you know, speaking, it was about me trying to teach her last lesson. And it was simply like that we don't have time. And, and, it, and I mean that in the nicest of sense, but all of us continue to push our dreams to tomorrow, thinking we'll have more opportunity, more freedom, more, you know, the grass is always greener tomorrow. And when I ask myself, what can I learn back by looking back? It's not to stay back. It's to take that education, that knowledge and drive it forward because ultimately learning, I don't have much time and that's not morbid. That is realistic. All of us know how this thing ends for us. So it's take what you learn, apply it. Knowledge is useless unless there's passion and purpose behind it. Don't just hog the knowledge, share it, and ultimately give yourself the opportunity to succeed. That's it. That's my big question, Angie, honestly. What can All I right, learn I love that question. every week? I absolutely yeah. love that question. And you're right, because at the end of the day, loss teaches us about mortality. We look at our own mortality straight in the face. Okay. And we realize, you know what? I have to stop assuming because you know what? We all heard what that saying is. And I cannot assume that I've got a lot more time. I've only got today. So Andy Stern, VP of Rumble Boxing, a good friend, a great uh, person in the fitness space and a person who understands humility and he's a boy. What? So Andy, thank you so much for being on Andy, this, all of you a who pleasure, are listening. Honestly, thank you. I mean, I honestly, when I, when you messaged me about this, I, it just, 
you know, you make the time for things that you want to do. And this is something I was super excited about. And, and we've been talking all week, kind of game, game plan and plan it out. But we knew genuinely this was just going to be our conversation because it, it means so much to both of us, all of these topics. And ultimately, hopefully it reaches the right people that need to hear them. I hope so too. Next time in New York, I'm in New York. I'm looking you up. So all of you, thank you so much for joining us. Use your passion, live for your passion, turn your pain into purpose, and we will see you next time.